This is Texas BioBytes from Texas Biomed. I'm your host, Wendy Rigby. Today we're talking about new research into an important public health problem, childhood obesity. One of the Institute's associate professors has just received $3 million for a new study that will look into ways DNA, RNA, or proteins are affected by both the environment and genetic makeup to impact the risk of obesity. The project will take four years and involves many collaborators. My name is Melanie Carlis. I'm an associate scientist at Texas Biomed. My lab focuses on epigenetics of complex diseases. Can you explain to us what is epigenetics? So epigenetics is looking at the changes that aren't at the genetic sequence level. So it's looking at changes that are above that, changes that might alter the gene and protein expression within cells, uh, but that aren't really encoded in our DNA itself. So tell us about this particular grant. Who's funding this and when will you begin? So this is a grant that's funded by the National Institutes of Health, uh, specifically the National Institute of Diabetes, Digestive and Kidney Diseases. We received funding in September, so we're already starting on the first aim of the study. What are you trying to find out? So we're trying to link obesity with uh, energy and metabolism within the individuals and also with cellular bioenergetics or the metabolism of the cells. Um, And we're trying to do that through DNA methylation. And when you say you're trying to link it, what do you mean? So we're trying to find what measures of DNA methylation might influence cellular respiration and cellular energy production, and that also influence metabolism within individuals, so how individuals utilize uh, different substrates, things like proteins and carbohydrates and fat to produce energy, um, and how this might also lead to obesity. So we have to break this down a little bit. I don't think most people listening know what DNA methylation is. Could you describe that? So DNA methylation, it's a change to certain uh, bases within the DNA. So certain sequence variants within the DNA might have a slight change. They become methylated. And what that does is it can alter the expression of genes. So it alters how genes are made um, and therefore how protein is also made. Is this part of trying to find out how much of obesity is lifestyle and how much is influenced by these other factors? So when we're talking about epigenetic mechanisms, and in particular DNA methylation, it it tends to really integrate both genetic uh, factors and also environmental factors. By using DNA methylation to try and identify genes that are risk factors for obesity, we're really incorporating information that is passed on through generations within the family and also information from the environment. So things like how much diet, what your diet is like, how much activity you get. So how will you be testing this? The project itself comprises of three different aims. Um, The first is really a study of uh, a human-based study. This is a cohort-based study. So we'll be looking at uh, about 900 children. Um, They're Hispanic children. Um, And this is a group of children that have a very high propensity for obesity. So we have uh, about 50% of this cohort is considered to be obese. And we'll be looking at DNA methylation changes that occur in the blood of these children. One of Dr. Carlos's collaborators at Texas Biomed is a professor who is well-equipped to provide the important data from the group under study. 
Well, I'm Shelley Cole, and I'm a geneticist here at Texas Biomed, and I work on cardiometabolic disease in mainly minority population groups. Cardiometabolic. We hear of cardiovascular disease. What is cardiometabolic disorder? Well, we know now that most of the diseases such as obesity, type 2 diabetes, liver disease, and heart disease are all related. They all have an underlying metabolic component. And some suspect that we might have risk factors for metabolic disease, and it manifests itself in different disease endpoints, such as heart disease or type 2 diabetes. So we talk about cardiometabolic disease now because they're all related. They all have underlying uh, risk mechanisms. What is your role in the Hispanic Childhood Obesity Study? So I was one of the original investigators on the Viva La Familia study. It actually began, uh, it was started by Dr. Nancy Butte at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, and she was the one who developed the study protocol. And she collected a, and recruited and collected a lot of information on the on the children, the sibs, the the siblings who are part of the Viva La Familia study, and it has become a major resource for studying childhood obesity, and that's why uh, Dr. Carlos um, got involved. So this is the set of people, the set of children she will be using for this study. Correct, yes. Um, it's a great resource. It began in about the year 2000. And so we've done a number of studies looking at genetic risk factors for obesity in, ch in Hispanic children using this resource. How will you be helping Dr. Carlos going forward in this Hispanic Childhood Obesity Study? Well, uh, myself and Dr. Nancy Butte, who's also a consultant on this study, will be helping Dr. Carlos understand how the data was collected, how the samples were collected, and relate it back to some of our previous work. So we have a number of publications that have identified genetic risk factors for obesity in Hispanic children, but we don't have, um, we don't yet have any idea about the underlying mechanisms. And so Dr. Carlos's work is really based upon that and is moving forward from that and actually getting to the nitty-gritty and the metabolic um, reasons or underlying mechanisms for the potential genetic effects. So this is both a retrospective and a prospective study. Uh, correct, yes. We have so much data available on this study, including uh, energy expenditure, physical data, um, behavioral data, uh, nutritional intake. Um, and so she can relate a lot of her a lot of her results back to some of that original data and hopefully uh, take a, take this uh, further into understanding childhood obesity. Why are you happy to be part of this endeavor? 
I just really love this study, the Viva La Familia study. Um, the data is so great. We have 24-hour calorimetry data, meaning the children in the study were actually inside a calorimetry for 24 hours and their energy expenditure and their food intake was monitored. And this is really valuable, unique data. And so I've always been really fond of this study and the potential it has for sorting out some of the mechanisms involved in childhood obesity. And so I'm really excited about uh, Dr. Carlos's work because I think she's taking it to the next step that we really need. So that's part one. What are the other parts? So part two is then really trying to identify whether the changes that we see in blood might be similar to changes we would expect to see in muscle cells. Okay, so muscle cells are really, you know, they're powerhouse. They're, they're the ones that create energy. And so therefore, you know, they have a strong link to obesity. Uh, so we'll be doing some comparisons of the methylation profiles across blood and also muscle tissue of the same individuals. And then we'll also be looking at how those profiles compare to muscle cells that we've actually derived ourselves. And we derive these muscle cells by using induced pluripotent stem cells um, and generating uh, skeletal muscle cells from those. Another Texas Biomed collaborator is an associate professor who creates these pluripotent stem cells from adult blood donations. My name is Tiziano Barberi. I'm an associate scientist and um, I ran a lab doing research on pluripotent stem cells. What are pluripotent stem cells? There are two sources of pluripotent stem cells at the moment. One is embryonic stem cells that are derived from um, unused fertilized eggs that are taken from IVF clinics. So those cells, because of their early origin, they can differentiate into all tissue and cell types of in our body. But in the lab, we are using what are called induced pluripotent stem cells, cells from adult individuals that are reprogrammed in vitro to become an embryonic stem cell-like cell. So, and they have the same potentials, but without the same ethical concern. So how do they get reprogrammed? Can you tell us in layperson's terms? Yes, they are reprogrammed by adding four genes that are important for embryonic stem cell maintenance. So those genes are expre highly expressed in early cells after egg fertilization. So the trick was to know what were those genes and to put them in uh, any adult cells that can be a skin cell or a blood cells from an adult. And those genes are sufficient to revert an adult cells that's already a specialized function to reset the clock and go back to an embryonic state. So it's like wiping the slate clean and starting over again. Correct. So what will you be doing for this particular research study? First thing, we will make this induced pluripotent stem cells from patients that will be selected by Dr. Carolis. And after that, we will uh, derive skeletal muscle from the cells because those are the cells that she wants to analyze for her study. So f two steps. First, reprogramming 
cells that will be taken from the patients into a pluripotent stem cell and then use the technology we, de we developed in my laboratory and from this pluripotent stem cell we will differentiate it into skeletal muscle cells. And part three. And so part three of the grant, um, this is something that is really utilizing some cutting edge technology. So we'll be trying to um, see whether the methylation changes that we see in blood um, that are also correlated in muscle cells, we're going to try and see whether changes to the methylation um, at those specific sites can influence cellular energy. By knowing these things, why would that help? Why would this be important moving forward in trying to battle obesity? So if we can identify the genes that are involved um, in obesity, uh, really starting at the cellular level and then starting, you know, looking at at whole organisms like the human body and how we use energy, um, then we can identify pathways that are involved in the development of obesity and also potentially mechanisms by which we can intervene and treat uh, obesity. We can use traditional drugs that might target specific pathways that we identify here. Um, but one of the things we're starting to look into, um, and we're incorporating this into AIM-3, of the grant, but we're doing this from a functional standpoint, um, is looking at epigenetic editing. Uh, so most people are well aware of genetic editing where we're doing something very similar, um, but we're using the CRISPR-based system and we're using a deactive Cas9 enzyme. And what this will allow us to do is it will allow us to go into cells and change the methylation levels at specific sites and to see what sort of impact that has on the cell. Um, at this point in time, these kind of technologies really are used for function, to try and understand the function of, of what genes do when we change them in a way. Um, but the hope is that one day these might be able to be used for therapies. You could tweak your epigenetics and keep from becoming obese. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so is this a particular problem among the Hispanic American community? Yeah, so um, obesity rates are really high in general now. Um, we find nearly 40% of uh, adults are obese within the US. Um, if we look at children, it's about 17% of children are considered to be obese. Now, if we try and break that down a little bit, what we find is Caucasian children um, tend to be, you know, we have a prevalence of about 15% obesity. If you look at African American, it's raised to about 20%. And if you look at Hispanic individuals or Hispanic children, uh, that rate is about 22%. So there are variations which might be epigenetically led. Really, the epigenetics can come into play because we have a different genetic background when we're looking at different races, but we also have a different environment and how, you know, the diet and especially how the diet might change uh, for immigrants. I know you're a mother yourself. Is that part of why you're interested in this kind of research? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I think it's really important. Um, you know, there's there's such a, a strong link between obesity and other health issues. Um, so you have you're a much higher risk of diabetes. You have uh, a higher risk of hypertension or high blood pressure. Uh, you have a higher risk of uh, atherosclerosis. So these is, this is basically, you know, uh, plaque buildup within within the veins and with the, uh, within the arteries. 
arteries, um, which later in life can can lead to heart attacks or strokes. Um, and we, we start to see evidence of this very early on. Even during adolescence, we start to see evidence of um, you know of this arterial buildup of of plaques. And so. Um, you know, from this perspective, it's it's really important to try and understand uh, how obesity starts out even, you know, within children at such an early age and what the impact of this might have on health later in life. It seems like obesity is the root of so many health problems that if we could solve this piece of the puzzle, it would help solve the pieces of other puzzles as well. Yes, I think if we can if we can start to reduce the rates of obesity within the U.S., we will start to see a decline in in multiple other disorders, uh, including heart disease, including diabetes. You've been listening to Texas BioBites from Texas Biomed. We love sharing our science. So if you like what you're hearing, subscribe. You can go on our website, txbiomed.org, and type in podcasts in the search bar. There you can sign up to have our episodes delivered to your email inbox every two weeks. Or look for us on platforms like iTunes, Android, and TuneIn. Thanks for taking the time to listen. I'm Wendy Rigby. 